Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 461. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. I am the reanimated corpse of Lorraine Sink. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Jace Wigohar, a.k.a. JMI. Lorraine? Welcome back. It's yes. I'm, I'm bringing you two just water cannons full of Lorraine Sink this day. She's back. She's rested. She has had a lot of caffeine and she's ready for friendship. <laughs> Fantastic. That is so great. If you are just joining us, we are going to talk about friendship as well as everything <laughs> happening this week in Marvel from games, comics, movies, TV, all kinds of stuff. Lorraine, tell me one fun thing about this. Uh, what did you call it? A vacation? Uh, yes, it's this thing that people are getting really into recently called vacation, where you just don't work for a week and they have understand. to pay you anyway. I, what? Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get that. I've never uh-huh. had that. It is. It's really cool. We just took a week off. We relaxed. I, I laid in a hammock. I read books. I went on long walks. I went hiking. I swam. No, I didn't. That's a lie. <laughs> I, I filled up a kiddie pool with water. <laughs> I also I also put my foot in a very cold lake and said nope. Uh, so you know, like it was great. It was beautiful. I just love I love the Hudson Valley where I was, and it, it's just gorgeous. Love it. That is amazing. Yeah, James, tell me something cool. Uh, I was in the Poconos. I got to see. Uh, all of the Christmas tree farms. I got to see where Christmas trees were born. It was really, really cool. It's like there's a little tiny Christmas tree and it decides it wants to grow up to be a big Christmas tree. But first, it has to learn the ways of life. And it was literally like a really cool, like, Lion King slash Christmas story. It was really, it was smooth, man. You know, little little <laughs> little Simba tree and then little Scar tree, which was messed up, was trying to like mess it up. And then the other little weeds came in and saved it. At least that's how it was in the dream that I had as we drove past it. It was great. I was about to say, are you writing the next Disney feature film? (laughs) There's some stuff going on there. Yeah, it's like Old Christmas Tree with music by Alan Menken and whoever writes lyrics. (laughs) At first, I thought you said uh, Christmas thong uh, or a Christmas tree thong, and I got very confused about what that was. Oh, that's a a whole different thing. Can we do that? A a Cisco's Christmas. A Cisco's Christmas. Ah, yes. Um, Marvel and BET present uh, Cisco's <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> We've got a pitch. Let's put it together. Let's this get it rolling. There, and there's there's cool stuff to talk about. We are going to be celebrating Marvel's 81st birthday this episode in a little bit. But first, we've got some updates. Uh, Lorraine, tell us a little bit about Marvel and Fortnite. Fortnite. Fortnite is when you get all your blankets and all your pillows. And then you get your family. No, I'm not talking about that kind of Fortnite. That, although that is my jam, uh, I'm talking about Fortnite, the video game. Uh, there is some Marvel and Fortnite love because Fortnite is getting more Marvel characters in the game, locations, items. You're gonna get a whole bunch of characters. Storm. Wolverine, Mystique, Iron Man, Rocket and Group, because they're friends, She-Hulk, Doom, and Thor. I'm sorry, you guys. I am like one second away from having a keyboard with like a, a bevy of sound clips in it. I am just on fire with excitement today. 
I wish we had Lorraine's drops, like your specific <laughs> drops to go into the episodes. Oh, oh that's so good. good. Uh, yeah, so this was all, I, this got originally first teased when Captain America came into the game because he mm-hmm. like dropped in from the Bifrost and there was some cool stuff. But then in the past week, uh, there's been a whole bunch of cool teasers that have gone out from the Marvel and the Fortnite accounts on social media. And, you know, Donnie Cates has written an in-game Thor teaser comic called Thor Nexus War. And it's got art by Greg Land uh, with like pages that were revealed daily. But if you missed them when they were originally revealed, you can read the full comic right now on Marvel.com. And that's sort of the, the story bridge. What it does is brings you into the world of like, hey, Thor is not just the king of Asgard right now. He's also Herald of Galactus and some stuff happens. Whoa. Yeah, he, he lands on the island where everything takes place for Fortnite and some wild stuff happens with him and Galactus. And then a bunch of his friends come in and you need all the characters you mentioned, Lorraine, they start showing up. But when they hit the island, they start to lose their memories, and boom, that kicks us off into the new season of Fortnite, which is going to be rad. It's going to be rad as heck. I'm excited. I, I've played a bunch of Fortnite over the last couple of years, but I've been off for a little bit. I think this is going to be the thing that gets me fully back in. Cool. I cannot wait for Storm, specifically, <laughs> and She-Hulk. But this season of Fortnite is going to go on for a while. Lots of updates to come, so make sure you check out the trailer, check out the comic, just Get yourself in, play some Fortnite, get the battle pass, go wild. Yeah. Uh, who's excited for the next Marvel's Avengers board table? It's coming out September 1st. Me. Fwee, fwee, fwee. Fwee, fwee, Yeah. Uh, so right now we just know that there's another war table coming uh, really soon. And so these war tables are these special video events where we learn a bunch about the game, the story, new, you know, upcoming releases and info. You know, we heard about Hawkeye in one of the war tables. We learned about MODOK. So these war tables are great. Very informative, very well put together. So the next one is again on September 1st. That's just a few days before the game fully and officially launches on September 4th. My birthday. My birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Birthday to myself. Yay. Um, (laughs) You guys should check them out on at Play Avengers or at Marvel Social Channels. Uh, You can check them out both there. All right, before we continue on to celebrate Marvel's birthday with uh, some really cool info and some stories, we wanted to take a word from our sponsor, which is Marvel Insider, because it's mighty Marvel Insider mania this week. You know, we're celebrating Marvel's birthday. Marvel Insider is giving all of you listening all kinds of gifts. Every day, August 31st to September 4th, there will be new rewards and some old favorite rewards available for Marvel Insiders to redeem. Now's your chance to be drawn into a Marvel comic, create your own Marvel reading list, or grab an exclusive digital comic variant of Wolverine number one with cover by the amazing Philip Tan and even more. Don't forget to keep earning points every day as well. Check out our Marvel Insider article hunt and more. Not an insider? It's not too late to join in the fun. Become an insider today at marvel.com slash insidermania. Open to U.S. residents 18 and older. Happy birthday. No, you can't say you can. We don't own that. Is it, is it? it's, it's public domain now. Oh. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. Happy birthday, dear Marvel. Happy birthday to you. Thank you, guys. It's great. I was on Broadway. 
I feel like we should just uh, help you out. Whenever you have to go back on stage for Hamilton, we'll be there to help you and, and really harmonize like we just did. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. If nothing else, we'll definitely be your hype men. Um. Sounds like a plan. Um, yeah, so we are celebrating uh, 81 years of Marvel, and so we're going to go decade by decade, talk about some fun stuff and some things that we love or want to talk about, whatever sparks uh, a thought in your heads. But uh, we start with 1939, the year the Marvel Universe was born, because Marvel Comics number one came out. Yay! 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 It popped out, it got smacked on the bottom, it <laughs> cried really loud, and it was barn. I mean, the Human Torch part totally cried the submariner part was just like yeah hit me again right <laughs> and the angel then shot the doctor in the face because yeah. i mean i love this original comic it only costs 10 cents some of the that's stories the thing in- 10 cents <laughs> come on man but there's there's so many great stories in it you know we still see the submariner today we still have the human torch even though this version is jim hammond the android who is sentient uh there's also just some like some truly great moments in this oh and and kazar is there i i completely forgot about that it's just a delightful old timey read yeah i've read this issue many times for some for whatever reason because i mean i love the namor story it's kind of you can see that the character was pretty fully formed by bill everett right away uh and so it's he's super cool but at this point marvel is called timely comics just one tendril of the publishers uh martin goodman his empire of you know magazines and pulps and all kinds of stuff and it was just like ugh, comics fine whatever we'll make some comics <laughs> it's interesting to think about how like this was so far down his list of priorities and this is the thing that ends up being what is still around for yeah. for all that stuff yeah well i mean too it's so interesting because if you think about it comics as a concept, like collected comics in a side of its own little book, not in the funny pages in the newspaper, was still like a pretty new concept in a pretty new industry. So, you know, Martin Goodman was no dummy. He's like, great, let me uh, just, I'll make a coin off of that too. And uh, well, let's make some, let's make some funny funds. Also, it's a, it's a moment of, you know, a, a great move that is being used uh, today. You know, how do you get the parents to spend money? Well, the kids want something. So if the kids want it and the kids keep bugging you about it, you got to do it. So you grab the kids, you grab the adults. The adults may not read it, or at least they might not tell people they're reading it. But the kids are reading it, and then dad looks up and goes, oh, what's this guy with these weird wings on his feet? I should read this. And then they say, sure, son, of course you can grab this comic thing. I don't need it. You know, <laughs> what happens next, you know? Yeah. Uh, So that originally came out in August of uh, 1939. So there's just a a little bit of runway. And then when we get into the 40s, you know, it's things really start opening up. Of course, Captain America, created by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, is one of the most important creations in our history as, as a company, which is cool. But like one of the things that we don't even think about is how how immediately popular cap was in 1941 and on. And then they were like these serials that were running in theaters that quickly. Yeah, no, that's such a great point. I mean, there were captain America movies in the 1940s. I mean, they were little short movies, but they still existed. I mean, comics as a medium really boomed in a way in the 1940s, especially because of world war two there, there was just really truly such an amazing sort of support of comics they became really mainstream pieces of entertainment and 
Cap, of course, being an American hero during a very pro-American time was like the guy. Any, anything with a, an American flag on it was the thing to see. And so to see this strong American man fighting the good fight against those out there who meant to take our democracy and freedom away was exactly what the country needed. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to toss out a couple of comics to check out. Uh, just think about the 1940s because there's there's a ton. We published a bunch. There's Westerns and, and all kinds of, you know, tons of superheroes. It's like Timely was just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. But two of my favorite issues are from Marvel Mystery Comics, which is what Marvel Comics becomes Marvel Mystery Comics. Number eight is Namor being a jerk, but being lovable. <laughs> this is one of my favorite issues because he he's like on a rampage. He goes and messes up like the Empire State Building. He goes to the zoo. He lets out a bunch of animals. He like goes up to a cage that's holding an elephant. He's like, ah, a killer. I see you. And he like opens it up and then the elephant starts rampaging around. And then a woman starts fleeing and she has her baby in a carriage. And then the baby falls over and the woman keeps running. And he like walks oh. up and he's like, oh, a baby. What the hell? He, he's like... <laughs> Someone left their baby. I guess I'll pick it up and bring it to safety. So even though he's trying to mess up people, he's also like a good dude. And he's like, okay, I'll save this baby. He takes the baby. He flies up on a rooftop. All the people there, the adults are freaking out at him because he's been causing chaos. And so he's like, here, take this stupid baby. Then the next panel is like, well, maybe he's not so bad. And he's like, shut up, go away. I don't like you. And he flies off. (laughs) It's so good it's you know i'm paraphrasing a bit but uh nope that's the script (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what happens uh and then in the next you know he very briefly meets human torch in that issue and this is i think this is 1941 um the next issue is number nine and it's a super fun story where you have torch versus namor and so you have two major characters fighting each other Early on, they come to like sort of an agreement at the end and they kind of like bro hug it out. Uh, Those two, they're available on Marvel Unlimited. I highly suggest that. And then we skip over a ton of stuff. But in the at the end of the decade, in 1949, Captain America and superheroes were like gone. Nobody cared about them. They were like people like poo. It's all poo. Put it in the poo box. Yeah. And uh, so put it in the poo box. Yep. Put it in the poo box. That was. That was the way they spoke back in the 40s. You can't prove me wrong. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Put him in the pool box. See, the pool box. (laughs) Uh, Captain America becomes Captain America's Weird Tales. Issue number 74 has one of the creepiest, coolest covers around. It's like, it's a nightmarish red skull cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, has a wild story in it, like Captain America going to hell, battling the red skull with the devils, like hanging out there, too. It's the fantastic. Red Skull tries to um, convince the devil to take Captain America. It's great. It's uh, so good. It's but I so love good. this because it, I mean, really, like, it, it signified the kind of end of this really big patriotic era as we go into the 1950s, in which everything happened. There were so many <laughs> genres of comics, like, throwing things out, seeing what sticks, seeing, you know, what kind of things they're trying out. This was that moment, you know, Marvel, as Martin Goodman, I think in part to sort of further uh, separate the brand from his other bits of publishing, uh, Marvel becomes called Atlas. And by Atlas, I mean a picture of an Atlas. It doesn't, I think, ever actually print Atlas on the comics. It just becomes yeah. a little Atlas photo <laughs> or image. And comics at this point just, 
uh, completely become everything you could think of. Yeah, it's it's wild how many genres and they were experimenting with it. But this is like full court press. The humor books are some of my like favorite things to find out about. Oh, and, like, my God. Uh, all the weird animal titles that they were doing, <laughs> all the times that Marvel or Atlas at the time was trying to rip off, like, there's a Dennis the Menace ripoff, there's an Ar- a bunch of Archie ripoffs, there's, like, every possible story that they could do. They were doing it on top of the Westerns and horror and science fiction and war and all that stuff. Uh, and the horror stuff is, of course, super important because mm-hmm. by 1954... Uh, with Seduction of the Innocent, which is a book that basically said, kids don't read comics, comics will turn you into killers. Right. Rah, rah, rah. And so there was all this stuff that turned um, that turned the comics industry on its ear. And so everything got a little bit more tame in a lot of ways, but forced the creators to try to find new ways to tell stories without being gory and, and lascivious. There's always some there's always some person in history who has no children who wants to tell people with children <laughs> what's wrong with your children. It's like, do you have any kids? I don't, but let me tell you why what's happening is messing with your children. Yeah. I also really want to shout out romance comics during this yes. period, which were wildly important and just like very well read. You know, Patsy Walker, who we think of as Hellcat as a superhero these days, was a hugely popular sort of teen humor romance character. I mean, although I guess the true romance comics were the ones where they were like, will he ever call me? I feel such peril. Bill, do you love me? <laughs> But there are so many, there's just so many great genres. But they were really more like movies or radio shows at this point. They yeah. really were a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we talked about superheroes going away. In 1954, I believe they come back really briefly. Uh, Marvel try or Atlas tries to uh, bring back Captain America, Namor, and Human Torch for a revival. Uh, I will make sure to always tout this Cap and Torch. They're only good for three issues. Nobody cares. Namor goes for a full 10 issues because he's the best and everybody knows it. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> who knew that this was an agenda? Uh, it, uh. It's always. I'm, I'm seeding uh, that Namor is the best character ever. Uh, okay. Uh, important stuff to think about in terms of like our creators. Of course, throughout you know the 40s and into uh, and on, you had, of course, Stan Lee there. Uh, we talked about Jack Kirby. But in 1955, Steve Ditko starts at Marvel and drawing a whole bunch of stuff. And immediately people recognize that he's great. And Jack Kirby comes back to Marvel in 1956 after leaving for a number of reasons. Um, So those are cool. And then by the end of the decade, we're getting the launches of Tales of Suspense, Tales to Astonish, Strange Tales, all these books that would eventually become the series that our favorite superheroes would inhabit. So, you know, your Hulk, your Ant-Man, your Captain America, your Human Torch, your Doctor Strange, you know, they all have origins in the 1950s with these uh, with these stories. So it's really cool. And one of the things that I was thinking about, we were having a conversation, I think, on Slack, a couple of us, that there are points in 1957 and 1958 in which Marvel or Atlas at the time released no comics. Yeah. There's wow. like months where there was just wow. nothing released, which is wild because the, the industry was in such a tough state at the point. Yeah, it definitely was in a tough state. And also, like, I think it was at this point where we lost our publisher for a hot second. And so literally it was like... <laughs> I, do, I do remember reading about that. We need to make a comic book? Question mark? <laughs> Fortunately, things got back on track. 
Yeah, because the 1960s came and brought basically every superhero that you know and love now. (laughs) I mean, the 1960s were a wild time. I mean, really, this was like such a huge moment for creators like obviously Stanley and Jack Kirby, as well as many others who created the entire foundation of the Marvel Universe and superheroes as we know it. I mean... Come on, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, the Avengers, the whole country of Wakanda and the Black Panther, Spider-Man. All of these characters were created in this decade uh, and and most wow. of them in, in a two year span. Also, it was this decade that we got that classic Spidey animation. When you hear that theme song, it came from this time. I remember being a kid in the 80s watching these cartoons, not realizing that they were 20 years old already. It's amazing how fast things go and you don't realize it. And also, when you're a kid, when you're seeing it, you're seeing it for the first time. So you, most of us, at least the kids in my generation, that classic Spider-Man cartoon, that classic song, that is what brought us into Marvel. seeing that cartoon and we went what is this not realizing it had been around for 20 years already it had been a classic and every generation sees it and that is the one thing that like sparks that interest into this amazing universe yeah you know as the three of us were growing up in you know in the 80s and, and 90s and whatnot we had some access to older comics but I didn't really read and appreciate stuff from the 60s until I was older. I don't know about the yeah. two of you. No, oh, I feel the yeah. same way. I feel the same way. I mean, with the exception of like finding something at like in a stack somewhere, you know, at a comic shop or like at a garage sale. And then you would read the one story arc and you'd be like, or not even arc, it would just be like the one issue. And you're like, well, I wonder what happened before and after. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> And then, like, thinking about that, it's like now having gone back and read so much of, you know, Spidey and Fantastic Four and Doctor Strange and all these different things, I look at, you know, like there's a chunk of Fantastic Four from 48 through 60 that is so hard for me to, like, look past for, or to give anything else credit as being, like, some of the best comics that Marvel put out that decade or anybody put out that decade, let alone in history. It's like... Jack Kirby and Stanley were just doing some amazing stuff in that run. You have Galactus and Silver Surfer, and you have Black Panther and Wakanda. You've got a whole bunch of amazing epics throughout that that it's just, it's kind of wild. And that's like 1965 and 1966. And like Kirby like hit such a stride during this time where some of the stuff he's coming up with, and then he starts trying to play with the medium and do things that are just so cool and mind-blowing, even now where you look at it and you're like... Because art is dealt with so differently now, I don't know that you see it in the same way. Like, you see something different, right? You see something new and, and different. But this kind of art in its own way, like the the crazy Kirby machines and collages are just wowzers. So yeah. good. But also there's a there's that moment where you think about the fact that, that we didn't have any technology. It was It was pencil and paper and paints and pens. And this man was able to create these sweeping I mean um, amazing artwork well and to that point James like technology didn't exist so he was also drawing things that you know were maybe starting to make some small appearance on TV here and there but TV was still not super duper mainstream yet either it wasn't like everybody in the world had a TV had one you know Uh, so it was just pretty incredible 
There's a, a yeah. story of how one of the Kirby projects of of probably the, the 50s or the 60s, he was drawing such advanced seeming technology that the like government goons came to him like, where did you see this? And and he's like, <laughs> I made it up. And like, I don't know the full extent of it, but that's a thing that happened in his life, which is that's amazing. Hysterical. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Because he's the king. Uh, but that's the 1960s. Unfortunately, Jack goes away from Marvel in the 1960s, but that doesn't stop Marvel because in the 1970s, there's all kinds of amazing stuff. I imagine, James, were you a fan of the Incredible Hulk TV show? I was. I was. There's, there's, there is one line that all nerds know. You know, it's the, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's just, it just, it's, and it's in the trailer of the show. And it just has stayed for the, I mean, it's been, what, 30 years now? And we're still saying it. It's still awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you've got the Incredible Hulk TV show in the 70s. You've got Spider-Man, the Japanese Spider-Man TV show, which I think has only gotten a lot more attention in recent times, but is still awesome. And it's, it's so incredibly influential yeah. to Japanese tokusatsu that, like, we can't even get into that here. But the, the of course, the X-Men becoming like an actual force at Marvel Comics by the end of the decade is is wild, especially when yeah. you try to t- if you explain to someone who is just learning about Marvel history, like, yeah, the X-Men were essentially canceled and there were no new X-Men stories for like five years. Wow. Just seems so wild. And to think yeah. of where we are now with everybody knows who the X-Men are. And the giant size X-Men in particular, like really introduced, I mean, some of the characters, when you think of the X-Men, those are the X-Men, you know, yeah. like your Storm, your Colossus, Nightcrawler, all all those guys from different parts of the country and the, <laughs> yes. different country? parts of the world, <laughs> all of the countries. Well, and then we also have um, Thunderbird. So he's he's from America. He's the most from America, if you think about it. But uh, <laughs> but you know everybody is from from somewhere different, and it's like a much more international X Men team. Uh, we should also say that you know back in the '60s, Atlas also changed its name officially to Marvel Comics. So now we're in the '70s. Marvel's in full swing. We've got all of these characters, uh, and then also I love in the 1970s that the cosmic universe starts to really open up. I think, especially kind of coming out of a psychedelic era. There's like a lot more interest in sort of like the grooviness of the cosmos, but also that like sort of science fiction-y take. And Jim Starlin just crushes like with Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity Saga, all of those Thanos boy stories. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I... I want us to put out a trade called Thanos Boy Stories, which is just... <laughs> oh, my gosh, please. It's, Thanos it's Boy like stories. the Hardy Boys, but Thanos going on little adventures, wearing little <laughs> short pants. Yeah, I am so here for it. Wow. Wow. My brain is going to be thinking about this for a long time. Uh, on, on top of the cosmic stuff, we had a lot of horror characters introduced in the 1970s. You know, you're Morbius. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Werewolf by Night and Moon Knight and so many more. And then the Kung Fu craze that was everywhere. Of course, everywhere. Oh, my gosh. I was born in the the 1970s, so everything uh, was Kung Fu. I mean, uh, (laughs) shout shout out to my dad. Uh, He made a few Kung Fu movies that you could find on Netflix. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. And you can find you can find you can find them on Netflix or find them on um, Amazon Prime. An actor just, or is he a director? He's an actor. He's <gasps> I'm I am named after him. He I am James Igerhart. He is James Igerhart. And the, the Kung Fu craze just yes definitely went through. Got to know before I because I will look this up. 
big like open shirt chest hair look uh not oh he wasn't really a chest hair guy but definitely open shirt very buff yeah. big afro yeah. there is a there's a movie called fighting mad you can go on prime uh amazon prime and see it you may also see you might happen to see a four-year-old james Monroe Iglehart what? in the film my father is a uh he's left for dead on an island where two samurai warriors train him how to get revenge when he goes back to LA with a samurai sword and just what? destroys the city. It's awesome. Why are we learning about this? Oh my God. <laughs> Why didn't you lead our friendship with that? Uh, <laughs> it's called incredible. Fighting Mad? Uh, it's actually called Death Force now. They 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 took, they, it was called Death Force. They changed the title. They changed it back. It's called Death Force now. Also, if you could look up, uh, it's a terrible movie called Bamboo Gods and Iron Men, uh, but my father's fighting in that with karate and there's also Savage, where he's kind of like the first Rambo before Rambo. He's in the Philippines with a gun, shooting people. It's awesome. So those are his three big movies. Uh, I have a list of movies to watch, like things that I want to see because I keep forgetting. And so I just put all of those on my list. We're going to watch the heck out of them. I'm so excited for They're this. They're so great and so bad at the same time, especially oh. Bamboo Gods are terrible. But, but Death Force is dope. Mm. It's one of my favorites. Oh, man. I was born in the 70s, so that I lived that. So I lived through the, the comics of the Kung Fu and also watching it on television. It was just, you know, everywhere. A breaking news, uh, producer Persia just shared with us the poster for Death Force. What? And this is the greatest looking thing I've ever seen. Your dad oh, ruled Jesus. so hard in this. Is it the one with him with the sword? Yeah. Yeah, that's my dad. What? <laughs> is it wow. weird if I say your dad's kind of a snack? Um, no, it's been that way my whole life. That's why I had to, because I'm not a gym rat, so I had to sing. My pops can't sing, and so he, 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 he oh, was no. bad. He was badass with no shirt. I'm badass with the voice. That's how we do it. This <laughs> is amazing. I this am, is wonderful. Oh, so good. I, I can't wait to watch that. Thank you for sharing this revelation, James. Of course. Uh, the, so good. Uh, on top of the Kung Fu stuff, uh, we also were getting into licensed stuff, so like Star Wars, or yes. Godzilla, or you know, all kinds of stuff that we were doing. Was Xanadu the seventies or the eighties? That's a shout out. I think to... that was technically the eighties. Uh, yeah, but right on the cusp, though. Right on the cusp. Yeah. Uh, but also vigilantes. You know, you think about like the. I, oh of... my God! I thought you meant Xanadu vigilantes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> they will get you with those roller now skates. That, that's also a new show with the so was the Thanos boys and <laughs> Xanadu vigilantes. <laughs> Oh, if, I wish we had like an artist on call to make this. Just stuff for us. Oh, so this good. is this whole episode is just us pitching bad ideas. Yeah, great ideas. That will become great listen. Ideas. That will become hits twenty years from now. That's right. That's right. We're talking about Thanos boys and Xanadu vigilantes at Comic Con and. 2040. Oh, man. And of course, I mean, there's a ton of stuff. We are going through these decades pretty quickly. Uh, oh, but yeah. the um, 1970s also has the return of Jack Kirby to Marvel, which has a lot of stuff that I really love. His Captain America work, his Black Panther work, Eternals, his 2001 stuff is, if y'all have never seen his issues of 2001, which we don't have on Marvel Unlimited, search those out. Those are so cool and so weird and so fun. He started out with an adaptation of Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, and then he like expands on it and goes and takes it in all kinds of directions. It's really cool. All right, the 1980s. Notably, Ryan and I were made and purchased. <laughs> <laughs> Honest way well to played. talk about Well played, well played. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm a normal person. That was so, that was so great. <laughs> Mr. Drummond came and picked up Lorraine and Ryan and 
brought them to the penthouse with Arnold Jackson and his brother and sister, and it's awesome. Oh my God, I watched that show so much as a child. Post-vacation unhinged Lorraine is the best. (laughs) It's so good. She doesn't care. (laughs) So like, you know, in a good way. So the 1980s, so much great stuff happens during the 80s. I think particularly we start to get, you know, New York is really gritty in the 80s, especially. And because of that and Marvel being in New York, uh, the, the Marvel Universe gets super gritty. That's not at all what it sounded like, but I like it. Uh, yeah, you got Frank Miller's Daredevil in you know the early part of the 80s. And oh, then so back fun. In the mid-80s with Born Again. Uh, so, so good. Uh, there's tons of like... It's interesting because the gritty stuff... A lot of people talk about the 90s as having like the gritty, yeah. you know, spikes and everything. But the, like, the actual the dirtier, gritty part of comics is definitely the 1980s. That's the the more like the nineties part is the polish. The eighties is like the yeah. stuff you want to get oh, into. Oh yeah. And I, we got to mention the first uh, company wide crossover title was Marvel superheroes. Secret wars. Number one in 1984. Oh. I love secret wars. I mean, I this sort too. of was just like a big initiative for various reasons that I won't get into, but it was just sort of like, can we get all the superheroes and from all of the books and all of the supervillains from all of the books to be in one book? <laughs> and then, like, I don't know, make them fight each other. They're like, yes, <laughs> indeed. But yes, we can. It, there's so much great stuff comes out of it. You know, there's like Titania and and Volcana come out of this, who are two of my favorite bad girl supervillains. Mm-hmm. Um, one's just on fire, and the other one is a big, strong lady who wants to fight anyone who's strong. I love that her whole sort of uh, reason for being, like her her goal, her one aim in life is to be the strongest lady. And it's just like, I heard you're stronger than me, so now we fight. And I respect that. <laughs> uh, I, I am not a huge fan of Secret Wars. I like it. I remember I've read it so many times. Maybe it's just sort of like become normal, like a regular story to me. But uh, people talk about the stuff that we got out of Secret Wars, you know, the, the black costume and Venom and stuff. Yeah. Two of the most important things to me coming out of Secret Wars and like that whole idea are the Secret Wars toys that came out. Those toys ruled even though they're terrible oh god they're awful they're just like every character has the same body type except for like little bits of mold differences but there's something there's something there's something about when you want to make there's something about a specific size of a of an action figure to make them fight and it doesn't feel bad in your hands but to have wolverine and to have the black Spider-Man, the Spider-Man black outfit. And then if you were if you were lucky enough, you bought Wolverine and he had black claws that you could clip on his wrists and there was that one Toys R Us in the Bay Area that just happened to have that one box with those three Wolverines with the actual silver claws. One of the guys in our school had it, and literally he became, it, it became the precious. Could we take <laughs> it from him? Could we remove it so we could have the silver claws? Because once you saw that toy, it, it, ethics went out the window. <laughs> it was about <laughs> having those claws. 
Also, Captain America's shield didn't look like Captain America's shield. It had a weird they all um, had the laser-like thing about it. So, like, it was like, yeah, it's a shield, but it's not yeah. a shield. So I love those toys. But then the other great thing that came out of it were the 1987 and 1989 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade floats that Marvel did, which were basically, like riffing on the, the the characters that were in the toy line which were in the comic book if you've never seen those just google them marvel thanksgiving parade there's a couple of videos it's perfection i remember being a little kid watching those and losing my mind on thanksgiving day <laughs> it was so cool we talked about some creators of course walt simonson on thor huge huge thing amazing the, onset of original graphic novels and an epic for marvel it's like you know super cool getting a little bit more like risky storytelling and epic and bigger longer different stories in the graphic novels like new mutants and death of captain marvel and god loves man kills and so many more so those are really important but then just think about the boom that the X-Men books go through, that the Spider-Man books go through, there's like for a long time, starting in the 80s and into the 90s, there's four Spider-Man titles or more. There's numerous X-Men titles and X-Men spinoff titles. And it all starts really in the 80s. And that's in the 80s also gives us the birth of like those mega artists who would really make their biggest moves in the 90s. That's true. Can we can we go back to one thing in the 80s for one second? I mentioned this before. I know I get slapped in the face with this, but Spider-Man and his amazing <laughs> So good. I mentioned I mentioned that because some of my friends and I am included. Um, at the time I knew about certain Marvel comics. I knew about certain Marvel heroes. Did not know who the X-Men were until Firestar mentioned them. In the episode, she says, We used to be X-Men. Maybe we can be and Iceman, because he's a silly person, says we can be the X X-Men, which is one of the you go, who are the X-Men? Which makes you go find them. And that's how I found the X-Men was because of the amazing friends mentioning it. And that cartoon again was another moment of Spider-Man and Marvel putting their stamp on weekly, you know, weekday cartoons and making kids watch. I mean, all of my friends, we ran home to kill ourselves to see Spider-Man's Amazing Friends and also the Hulk cartoon that came out as well. It was uh, just fabulous. 1981, my my year. I believe that those are on uh, Disney Plus and they are... Yes, they are. They are fantastic. The Swarm. Please watch The Swarm just because it's just a one guy with his voice amplified going, Swarm, Swarm. This is great. <laughs> uh, so we get into the 90s. At first, you know, the 90s are sort of like, it's still in that boom kind of, we're seeing tons of titles. I think we think of costumes from the 90s as being especially like late 80s <laughs> into the early 90s are just like, wow, chef's kiss all around. Everybody gets spikes. Get those bikini cut underpants going like it is full force. Oh. Yeah, we, everybody wants everybody wants Adidas. Everybody's trying to everybody's trying to be like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and like the the those early '90s launches for Spider-Man, X-Men, X-Force, selling millions and millions of copies, leads to a bunch of the creators leaving, going to start Image Comics, and sort of like the building, building, building of the comics industry, and then it bursts, and there's yeah. fallout, yeah. and you know Marvel goes into bankruptcy mm -hmm. in the '90s, which is so wild, and you know we have we have coworkers who have come back to Marvel from that time period and who would tell us stories of like what it was like back then and coming back and, and living through all that. And so just, you know, I always think about 
how we've gotten through so many wild things in these 81 years and you know this just like becomes now just a, a brief period in the 1990s but you know also in the 90s tons of cool stories uh we're going to get into some stuff from uh, in our community section about favorite stories but like think about all the cool x-men crossovers and stuff like age of apocalypse and onslaught yes that were so influential to storytellers who are telling comic book stories and movies of today and then james you mentioned spider-man and his amazing friends well for me it was the x-men cartoon yeah me too yes i know and uh, of course, the Spider-Man cartoon uh, that was shortly after that. Those are so good. Both oh, of those. So fun. And the whole the whole cartoon. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and an Iron Man cartoon. Yeah. In Fantastic the- Four, cartoon. Silver Surfer, some wild. Stuff. I love the whole the whole cartoon was really cool because that was the first time we actually got to. Hulk wasn't just a raging monster and he wasn't just this uncontrollable thing that Bruce could, you know, Bruce couldn't control. There was, you know, he was there and there was his friend and there was Betty. And whenever there was always a moment in the cartoon where Hulk would see Betty, Betty, (laughs) like uh, finally shrink back down to his pants. His pants would shrink with him and all of us would go, how did that work? (laughs) But it was always, that was the first time I ever saw MODOK. That was the first time I ever saw MODOK was was in the Hulk cartoon. Uh, we also, you know, there were some Marvel video games in the 80s, but 90s where you start to see a lot more of them. There's great Spider-Man video game that was for Sega. Um, and then the yeah. arcade games, you know, I've spent so much time playing Marvel superheroes in, in my yes. local video store, which was shout out to 3D Video, rest in peace. <laughs> Long since departed this world. Uh, but, you know, we had all that stuff. And then we have, of course, the launch of Marvel Knights uh, towards the end of the decade, which... Is really kicks off a creative renaissance for the comic side of things. Yeah, I mean, Joe Casada came in, became editor in chief, brought with him a stable of, of talent, and really created something special. I think with Marvel Knights, it really reinvigorated Marvel and the brand. And then we were quickly into the two thousands. Yeah, uh, before we get in further into the 2000s, if anybody wants to read a really cool like oral history of Marvel Knights, uh, Tucker Marcus, who is my co-host on Marvel's Pull List, put together a, a really great story of what Marvel Knights was from the people who were there for it. So that's on Marvel.com. It's really cool. You can tweet me if you need a link to it. I'll share that happily. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Lorraine, you mentioned the 2000s and like the creative stuff. I think here's a lot of it that just really resonates for me. You know, you got the ultimate universe, which is, man, can you imagine what what, what Marvel would be like without the ultimate universe? No, the, I, one of the things I think is really interesting about the Marvel ultimate universe is that it was sort of this like moment to sort of refresh. And they're like, what if we just kind of gave ourselves room to start over with everybody and everybody got like a point one, everybody just got a new fresh story. We could retake things. We could completely do a different thing. And now we think about that being the birthplace of so many incredible other characters that are like Miles Morales, you know, who was an ultimate Spider-Man, who's now such an important character in the main Marvel universe. But having that freedom to play in Ultimate Comics, I mean, I think made the quote unquote sort of main Marvel universe so much richer and better because it opened up to so many more stories. 
Also in the 90s, it was that moment where uh, as, a, as a kid of color, there were always uh, people, Caucasians in the spandex. And uh, and those of us, th- those people of color who were in the spandex or those those ladies were treated with a, in, a, in a certain stereotypical way. And then with the 90s coming through with hip hop changed the way that MTV was, the way that MTV was putting black folks and uh, on screen, Marvel did the same thing. All of a sudden, we had a black Nick Fury. All of a sudden, we had Miles Morales. All of a sudden, Storm had a different look. Black Panther and Storm were able to actually have a relationship. So to all of a sudden see ourselves reflected in these pages, you know, all of a sudden brothers weren't just running around with afros. You know, they all everybody was bald with a goatee, or they had dreads, or they weren't brother voodoo. They were doctor voodoo. It was it was really really cool because the '90s brought in people of color to write, so that folks could actually write the stories so they could be reflected in the pages. I, I distinctly remember that. It was so, 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 so yeah, cool. That's such an important point uh, and how that continues on throughout the decades and, you know, brings mm-hmm. us to where we are now. Uh, but before we get there, still into the 2000s, you know, Lorraine, you were mentioning the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, hi, baby. Uh, the Ultimate Universe and uh, how that reflected or sort of like push things for the mainstream Marvel comics or like the main prime universe. Well, you get the Avengers taking a really big role in the Marvel universe from Brian Michael Bendis, the writer who mm-hmm. was coming out of the ultimate universe yeah. and like getting his start there. And then you get to see new X-Men uh, by Grant Morrison and then the astonishing X-Men by Joss Whedon. Um, and like those comics really like having to step up and tell great stories again because the ultimate universe was doing that on another side it's really fun to see that back and forth and how they built that throughout the 2000s and i mean too like i guess i have such fondness for these movies i guess the the particularly the first x-men movie the like the first couple of them i watched every single day of i transferred colleges and i would watch it every day in my like terrible apartment with like 17 men I was the only girl living with 17 men, which is like very, I think, appropriate for how my life has turned out somehow. (laughs) Um, But like just sitting, eating tomato soup, watching this X-Men movie over and over again. But, you know, we had X-Men movies, the Spidey's movies, pre-MCU, but delightful pizza time, you know? Yeah. Those are so good. And then even in the same, it's wild to think that in the same decade, we have the, the launches of those movies. And the birth of the MCU. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. It feels like completely different eras. Both great. Like, I love those X-Men and Spider-Man movies in particular. But still, then you launch in with Marvel Studios' Iron Man and everything else. It's – I feel like, Lorraine, you and I have talked about, you know, our experience of seeing that first Iron Man film, you know, a bunch. James, what what do you remember about the first time you saw Iron Man? Oh, I distinctly remember telling my wife. My wife said, what are we going to go see? I'm like, we're going to go see Iron Man. And I remember the question. It was like, why Iron Man? I'm like, well, at, right now, it's the only movie that Marvel has that, that they, that's theirs. They've licensed out their other characters. So we're going to go see this, and hopefully it's good. But I, we're going because of Robert Downey Jr. And when it started, it was done. That first scene when he's in the desert, and he holds out his arms, and the bombs are going behind him. And I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, in. I'm, I'm so, I am so in. And then, you know, I had, what's funny is I had just reread The uh, Ultimates. And the animation, uh, the cartoon, I believe uh, Ultimate Avengers had come out, uh, I think. Yeah, that would have been like the late 2000s. 
Yeah. Okay, okay. So I saw Iron Man, and then I just finished reading. I know I just finished reading Ultimates. And then at the end... Okay, back in the 80s, there was this crazy movie called Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> and Smokey and the Bandit has blooper reels. So you stayed for the tra- you stayed for the credits to watch the blooper reels. So you can watch Burt Reynolds and his friends be stupid and make jokes. But all of a sudden, Marvel gave us this scene. It just happened. So there are certain people who are walking out, running back in because they hear more voices. And we, me and Don are sitting there because we were. T- I, was ta- I was so nerdy. I was talking about it. The scene comes up. And once the scene's there, I'm like... I began to scream. My Don doesn't know what's going on. I'm like, don't you understand what they just did? <laughs> they literally put a DVD extra at the end of a real movie, and that is Samuel L. Jackson playing Nick Fury. This is not the end. This is their sequels. I don't know when they're coming. <laughs> Everybody ran out. We're caught. We were texting each other. I know the brothers that I know all the brothers I knew. We were talking all kinds of crap. We were just losing it. Well said. Uh, in addition, of course, I want to mention the video game stuff that I loved in the in the 2000s: Jamar versus Capcom, Jamar Ultimate Alliances, oh. Spider-Man games. Um, you know, even the PlayStation game, and, and on and on and on. Some really great stuff. Um, of course, that gets us to last decade, which is the 2010s. And James, you were just talking about Marvel Studios Iron Man, but that's really the growth of the MCU throughout the decade. Which oh my gosh. takes the like the largest yeah. spotlight. Everything building up to Marvel Studios Avengers Endgame, but yeah. everything around that. You've got great Marvel television. You've got all kinds of fun stories and, and different characters that people climb onto. It feels like there's a character for everyone to dress up as. Yes. I mean, I I love some of the characters too that were born during this era of the 2010s. You know, we get Miles Morales out of that Ultimate Universe in the 2010s. Uh, we get Ms. Marvel, aka Kamala Khan, who I just think is such a lovely, wonderful character. We have yeah. um, Ms. Marvel becoming Captain Marvel, aka Carol Danvers, and Captain Marvel like taking off to the point where we see her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe not much later, you know, ultimately. And there's so many more, Moon Girl and and Devil Dinosaur. Mm -hmm. I mean, Riri Williams, there's so many amazing characters, especially teen characters, I think, that really um, pop during this time. Yeah, and think about how quickly some of these characters turn into huge, huge deals, whether it's movies or video games or what have you. You know, it's not many years ago where Miles or Kamala were created, where Captain Marvel, you know, where Ms. Marvel became Captain Marvel and now they have films. So you think about what stories have happened in the last couple of years, what stories are happening now that could affect the future of all the Marvel stuff. Look, Jason Aaron's run on Thor, the next Thor movie from Marvel Studios, We'll have some reflection of that story. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's one of the coolest things that I think about the internet. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of cool things about the internet, but like the connection between the people making things and the and people consuming things and enjoying things is such a short distance now. People are like phenomenally excited about this comic, about this, you know, teenage girl who lives in New Jersey and who's stretchy and, and funny and quirky and is a superhero. And you're like, great, I love this character, Ms. Marvel. And like a couple years later, you see her as like a star in not only a video game, but an announced series coming later on, you know? So that stuff happens so much faster and faster and faster because the feedback loop is so much shorter than it used to be. Like if you like stuff, say you like stuff and then we'll give you more of that stuff. We want you to be happy. (laughs) Last thing I want to point out from last decade was 
Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4, which is just such a landmark game and is going to affect, you know, stuff this year and this decade. And, and it's going to be really cool. And that leads us into this new decade of 2020. And who knows what's going on? This has been a weird year, y'all. Let's just get through it, a huh? Weird year, baby. Yeah. Let's just get to the end. <laughs> let's, yes. let's just hope that, you know, we close the door behind us at 2021. And we're just going to say thank you so much for your time. Let's never speak of it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's close the door and let's speak of it. Not often, but enough that we don't do this crap again. Great point, James. Wear your masks. Wear your masks and wash your hands and don't touch your face. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's a little bit of a, a some walk through Marvel's 81-year history. We are going to, in a minute, get to some uh, tweets and some responses from folks on uh, social media that reflect some of that but our question of the week for next week is uh just a simple one because we are going to have on eric monicelli who is one of the producers over at marvel games he's working on uh, marvel's avengers so if you are planning to play marvel's avengers let us know which character you are most excited to play as in the game uh all right have the two of you where do you sit where who's going to be your main for the game uh, it's probably either going to be Black Widow or Thor. I think those are the ones I'm, I gravitate towards the most. Although I haven't played Kamala yet, so we're gonna have to wait and see. I want to say um, I want to say the Hulk, but if if the game has the couch co-op the way I'm praying it will, my wife will have taken that character <laughs> from me. Any kind of Hulk that is She-Hulk, Hulk, Red Hulk, Hulk. If it's a Hulk and power and she gets to smash, she's going to do that. So I'm going to say uh, I'm probably going to stick with Thor and Iron Man and try to stick with Thor and try to master the whole Iron Man nice. thing. Uh, I'm going to go with Iron Man as my main. Uh, I've just had so much fun with him during the beta period. But let us know, listeners, what you think. You can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Uh, and now we've got some community, some stuff from everybody listening. Uh, first one came in from Greg Young, who is Greg of the Bowery Boys. He uh, he wanted to send a little note to us because I asked, you know, what is your favorite decade in Marvel history? This was our question from last week. And uh, any favorite memories? And so Greg says, there is nothing like digging into a Marvel comic from the 1970s. The absolute fearlessness to try anything. And he posted a picture of Son of Satan riding his yeah. hell horses shirtless. Beautiful. Uh, and then he followed up by saying the 1970s gave us what if and the idea of exploring alternate visions. I don't think we would have had multiverses and reimaginings without that series, which is like, come on. That's like exactly what I think about everything. I love what if so much. Yeah. Um, Javier Rodriguez at Javier Castor wrote us and said, uh, 1976 to 1987, laughing, sweating face emoji. I, I'm going <laughs> to guess that's because you really like comics specifically during that period, but it's not enough context for me to not think this is a murder thing. <laughs> well, it's, I'm going to say it's not a murder thing because that's okay. Javier Rodriguez, one of my favorite artists, one of our, our he did the history of. Uh, of the Marvel Universe. So he probably just, like, that's his sweet spot. Because think about it, we all have our sweet spots of our favorite time period. And uh, I just, I don't know why he's sweating. Stop sweating, Javier. That's funny. Bilal Alayan at 
Bilal Alayan. Hey, Agent M, I listened to This Week in Marvel and you asked about our favorite decade in Marvel Comics. For me, it is no doubt the 80s. Born Again, Inferno, Craven's Last Hunt, Mutant Massacre, are just a few. Many times we remember the art, but sometimes words can make such an impact. And uh, Bilal posted a picture from uh, Born Again uh, where Fisk is looking out onto the city and he says, there is no corpse. And it's just that moment of like, <laughs> he thought he got him, but he didn't. Oh man, <laughs> so damn good. Yeah. Uh, the Kawaii Prince at Colin J says, my favorite decade of Marvel is the 90s. The X-Men show is my main introduction to Marvel as a kid. Now I'm going back through and reading some great X-Men 90s books. Plus, I was born in the early 90s. Great decade for me. Oh, Yay, Colin. Good for you. I'm so glad you're so youthful. Uh, <laughs> John Swindle at the Swindler 90s says, happy 81st birthday, Marvel. My favorite Marvel decade is the 2000s. We had Morrison's new X-Men, House of M, Civil War, Bendis' new adventures, and Secret Invasion. The 2000s were also when I first started subscribing to titles rather than just picking up random issues. Man, that's a game changer, though, really? Yo. When you start like yeah. fully investing in a run of something versus just like, you know, picking it up kind of here and there, it makes mm -hmm. all the difference. And man, what a bunch of bangers. Mm -hmm. The House of M, man. Oh, real good. Real good. Civil War. So, Kate at I Am Winter Mute. 2010 to 2020 gave me everything I wanted in comics. The diversity in the stories and the characters and the creators got me back to reading comics. Yay! Yay. Good job. Yay, Kate. Um, JP, the Ant Fan, at JP, the Ant Fan 616 says, Probably the 2010s because of the MCU and my favorite comic storyline during that time is the God Butcher in Thor. I was really into the Cyclops side of things in Schism and Avengers vs. X-Men. Also, the resurgence of Ant-Man. Oh, and Marvel Netflix as well. JP, wow. Coming in with that Cyclops love. Lorraine, tell us how you feel. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I think you should love whatever you love, and I am so glad that you love it, but no thank you from me. <laughs> That's how I feel about Cyclops. You we got this email from Gianna. They said, Dear Mr. Panagos, Mr. Egglehart, and Ms. Zink, my name's Gianna, and I'm 10 years old. I really enjoy your podcast this week in Marvel. I'm a huge fan of Marvel, and my favorite superhero is Iron Man. The MCU is a huge inspiration to me. I hope you are doing well and staying safe. Sincerely, Gianna. I don't know, listeners, if you can hear the smile on Lorraine's face yeah. when she was reading that and like the joy that that brought the three of us to get that letter from yeah. you, Gianna. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gianna. Thank you for writing like, us. I'm so I'm so glad that you have found something that inspires you and brings you joy. And I hope that all of these superheroes remind you how powerful you are every day. Yeah, girl. You are the future of Marvel, Gianna. All right, y'all, I think that about wraps it up for this big, massive anniversary celebration. But of course, this episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Percy of Berlin, Zachary Goldberg, Lorraine Sink, and Ryan Panagos. Our audio development manager is Brad Barton. Jill DeBuff is our director of audio. And special thanks to you, Marvel fans. You've kept this little comic book company chugging along for 81 years. Here's to 81 more. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. And I'm James. And this is Marvel.
your universe. universe.